This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Team Stripes podcast. Uh, we are having our ongoing discussion about retention, and to join us this week um, is a great guest. He's from the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association. His name is Andy Hudson. Now, Andy's been involved with officiating since he was about 14 years old. He's worked himself up the ranks through junior and the minor pros, and in 1999, he got involved with the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association, and now he heads up their education uh, and development. So, Andy, I want to welcome you onto the uh, podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's great to be here, and thanks for the opportunity to, to to speak with you, Brandon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to really talking about you know retention as an issue. And before we get going, I'm wondering if you could uh, fill in, I guess, our listeners about just how you got involved with officiating. Uh, absolutely. Well, I grew up in a military family, and uh, my family in- uh, eventually ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where there was all of one rink in the entire state, and we just happened to live nearby there. So uh, really got involved in the early 80s playing hockey and just skating as a, uh, you know, as a kid on, on the ice and the one, the one place that was cool in the, the, the desert southwest. But uh, I was uh, at a practice one uh, Saturday, and a friend of mine came into the room and said, the dressing room after our practice, and said, the uh, other referee didn't show up. Uh, Andy, would you like to, to go ref the game? So he threw me a whistle, and um, I think I made $6 cash that day, which was fantastic, and, and that's how it all started for me. And and eventually I uh, I worked my way up through USA Hockey, through all of the traditional levels. Well, I went to college in Colorado, and that's where I really started getting more serious about officiating. Started doing some you know local AAA-type hockey I don't even think it was called AAA back then, but uh, eventually some juniors and college club and whatnot. And then uh, back in 1996, the Western Professional Hockey League was founded, and there were six teams in Texas, uh, Texas and New Mexico. And uh, I was hired to be a full-time linesman in 1996 for that league, and that was a that was a kick in the pants because uh, that was the wild, wild west and. I think I worked 79 games as a linesman in three different ice rinks. Uh, so that was, that was interesting. And, um, in 1999, my, my now wife, uh, moved back to St. Louis and, uh, uh, I decided to, to come to St. Louis, uh, to be with my, my now wife and immediately got involved in the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association, uh, officiating games here locally and also was fortunate enough to do some, some USA Hockey Junior, uh, officiating and also some minor professional officiating uh, at the United Hockey League level and ECHL. And then over the years, I've just been very fortunate to to, to have the opportunity to work uh, several local and district playoffs for USA Hockey and also I think about nine or 10 USA Hockey National Championships, um, some of my favorite events of the year. So what are some highlights for you as a certain games that stick out for you looking back at your career? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think the games in the Western Professional Hockey League were were definitely the highlight. Um, if anybody is a St. Louis Blues fan out there, Gary Unger was the coach of the New Mexico Scorpions back in the 
1997, 98 year, if I, if I have that right. And, uh, if memory serves, uh, he wasn't too happy with me. I, I did referee a few games on league two. He wasn't too happy with me. And he, um, proceeded to stand up on the dasher boards and, uh, wave his jacket around his head. And I was just young at the time. I didn't know what to do. I think I looked at him and laughed and, 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 and moved on with the game. Now I'd probably, he'd probably be sitting in the stands, uh, watching the game if he were to behave like that. If we can point out quick, you're, uh, it sounds like there's some uh, whistles on in the uh, background of uh, where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here at the Webster Groves Ice Rink here in St. Louis. And uh, today is the first game, uh, the first two games of the Winterland Ice Hockey Program's Friendship Weekend, which uh, is a fantastic event here in St. Louis uh, that's run by a great uh, organization and a, and a great executive director named Kevin Whitworth. And these games are just for fun during the summer. There's no standings kept. There's no trophies. Uh, the score is, is, uh, is unimportant. These are just kids that come out to play. And uh, this is the fifth year that we've partnered with Winterland to conduct what we call our summer development program. And uh, it's a fantastic program. We bring in officials from our association. We have 20 officials It'll work uh, about 50 games in between now and Sunday. And uh, we have 13 of our development and education staff people uh, that are out here volunteering their time to mentor our officials, to coach them, to support them. And it's really focused on our younger officials, although we do have a few uh, a few older guys out here that are, that are new to officiating, but mainly our 14 to kind of 20-year-old officials. And uh, we just give them a, an opportunity to really get their feet wet in the game. The game that's going on right now, I can see it as we speak. Uh, the ref, we're doing the, the game's three man, and the referee for the game. This is his first time wearing the orange armbands, uh, and he's uh, he'll be a freshman in high school, so he must be about 14 years old. And he's doing a fantastic job so far. And we have one of our mentors out there, kind of shadowing him and showing him exactly where to stand during the game, talking to him in between whistles. And just really being out there to, to give them a high five and support them as much as possible. Well, that's terrific. It sounds like you guys have got quite the teaching uh, aspect figured out here. And, you know, retention is such a big issue. I mean, here in Hockey Canada, uh, it's I guess it's a, probably a, a well-known statistic that one out of every two referees that gets injured the first year of refereeing will not come back for their second. And I think you talk to a lot of associations across Canada, across the U.S., across Europe. I mean, anywhere you go retention is, is usually one of the biggest issues facing associations. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to get your perspective first on, you know, how, how big of an issue is it, is it for you in Missouri? We're no different than you guys up in Canada. Uh, we, we actually have more than 50% of our officials uh, choose not to come back after the first season. And that's what our program is all about, is to support our young officials, especially our young officials, give them the uh, mentoring and the support they need in order to enjoy themselves out there, to gain confidence, to work games um, at various levels, uh, to have experience with various partners and to really gain that confidence that they need to succeed. So, you know, I just, I ran some stats here leading up to this, um, that this podcast and back in 2008, 2009, we had over 400 officials here in, in the St. Louis area. And between 2008 and 2009 and then uh, 2014, the number had declined for years down to 241 officials. So from 400 to 241, that's a huge decrease. 
But when we started this program back in 2014, we immediately saw the benefit and we've grown every year since. And we are currently at 317 officials. So our efforts are really paying off. It's all about supporting our officials, thanking them, showing them that they are an important part of the game, that we value them, that we thank them, um, we support them uh, in their efforts. And it, it is working. We're seeing um, significantly more officials in that kind of older teenage, 17 to like 25-year-old age group, which is almost always a vacuum because kids are more interested in being teenagers or going to the prom or hanging out with their girlfriend or whatever other activities they have. And then going away to college, we, we lose a lot of officials there. So even our efforts, even if an official chooses to go to, uh, away from St. Louis for college, we stay in touch with them. And the, our hope is if they come back to St. Louis, and, and maybe they do, maybe they don't, but when they do, they're welcome with open arms back into our association. And we, we put them right to work now as a, as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, whatnot, and they become an important part of our, you know, our veteran corps of officials. And I'd love to talk about you know, the kind of, I guess, the goals of your program and sort of what you're doing. But before that, I mean, just coming back to the reasons why you, you know, the officials were quitting, I mean, certainly you pointed out the drop in numbers that you guys had. I mean, uh, you know, what do you see as the major major hurdles that are, that are facing these referees? You know, I'd, I'd probably say that there's three uh, main reasons for, for the, the challenges with retention. The first and foremost is the officials themselves, their ability to work games. So what we've found is the majority of the games, you know, here and I'm sure in Canada are played on the weekends. And we have young people that are, are playing and sometimes uh, two or three different hockey teams, whether it be a high school team and their club team or a triple A team and their, and their, uh, and their high school JV team or whatnot. And they just don't have the time to devote to it. So, uh, what we've found is we just work with them. And even if they're available for a two hour block during the day, uh, tell us and we'll get you a game, even if it's one game. Um, the second reason is, I hate to say this, but is this kind of uh, society-wide lack of respect, especially from coaches down to the officials. And during the early part of the season, what we find is that especially the coaches at the younger age groups that don't really know much about hockey, they tend to be more vocal, um, for lack of a better word, a little bit ignorant about the flow of the game or their role in the, in the game. And what we do as mentors, as we're out there with the officials is we can be a buffer between the official and the coach. And we can sometimes talk the coaches off the ledge, so to speak, or go over and, and, and just be a really firm presence to say, coach, your job is to coach the kids. Let's let the officials do the officiating. And um, just if the coaches hear that just once in the season or maybe twice from a, a veteran official that they kind of look up to, um, it's amazing. Some of the coaches will come up to you after the game and say, you know what? Nobody has ever said something like that to me. And nobody's ever pointed out that I, uh, was acting so disrespectful towards this young referee. Thank you. And, uh, I'll do better next time. Now that doesn't happen all the time, Brandon. You know, we, mm-hmm. we hope that we can kind of engender some change over the amount of opportunities we see these coaches. And the final reason that I would say, um, that the retention level is, 
is uh, is tough. As I kind of alluded to the the officials being uh, busy, um, but but it kind of tied into that too is is we have and every association probably does has an old boys network of maybe it's old boys and girls, but we have our veteran officials that that we can rely on that we know are there that will do the games for us. And our assigners for many years, their easy way out was just assigning the same guys to the same games every single week or every single weekend. And they were just filling the slots. We've over the years, we've, we've convinced our assigners that they really need to start challenging some of our officials, give them better assignments, give them uh, more challenging games um, so that they can get out of their comfort zone and improve. And, um, so some of our assigners are still uh, very uh, much at the old school that they want to assign their same guys, that guys they know that are going to not cause any problems, that are going to be reliable, that are going to call good games. They're not really going to get complaints from coaches or, or leagues. Uh, but, but we've broken down that kind of perspective that, hey, we can send a young 20-year-old out there to do a AAA midget game, and, uh, and he can skate well, he looks the part, and um, it's going to be huge for his development. So I think those are the main three things, uh, Brandon. I'm sure there's other reasons, but that's what we found is, is affecting the retention. I think that's terrific that you guys have identified that because I'm sure there's a lot of associations out there that are seeing, you know, the drops in, in, you know, the amount of referees that they have or, you know, they're struggling to retain. And maybe it's tough for some of these associations to identify those reasons, but it sounds like you guys have done a great job. And if I could summarize, I guess the first one you mentioned was just, you know, working out the availability in the calendars. Number two is sort of the psychological component of, you know, giving these refs confidence and sort of cracking down on coaches and the third one is, is making sure that you're giving those guys games and not just simply, uh, you know, handing them out to the old boys club, as you said. So, you know, you, you kind of alluded a little bit to your to your to your program and, and, you know, like what are your referees telling you at the grassroots? I mean, are they seeing that effect firsthand of what your programs are doing? I really think so. I um, I'm convinced they are one of the um you know, we, we call this the development and education program and, and our goals are to retain our existing members, to recruit new officials, and to to start to use maybe some new media to 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 teach and to to mentor our officials. We we video our officials at times, and um, I even sometimes do like a Facebook live from a game, and and uh, I'll kind of do the voiceover for the game or the commentary for the game and comment on the officials as the game is going on. They can go back and look at that kind of curated content. Um, and then another part of our program that's really exciting is we have what's called our advanced development program. And what we do there, Brandon, is we identify usually between 20 and 30 of our officials that are in um, that 16 to 28 year old uh, age group that have shown some potential, that have shown that they're interested in, 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 uh, in moving up in the ranks. And we invite them to apply for the program. And they have to submit a an application. It's nothing too elaborate, but we ask them about their goals. We ask them about some of the things they feel they need to work on. We ask them uh, where they'd like to be in, in one year or five years or 10 years. And then we actually put them through a bit of a tryout uh, that, that takes place usually in the first half of September. And we identify some games at various levels and we assign the officials to the games and we go out and we watch them and we 
We look for things like um, hustle. We look for things uh, like their communication with players or communications with coaches. We look for teamwork between the officiating crews to make sure that they're working hard together. And then we select a small group of officials. Last year, I think we had 11. Uh, this next year, we may have 12 to 15. And we follow them throughout the season uh, by giving them different assignments throughout the weeks or the weekends. Uh, we have relationships with other groups in neighboring states that might have showcases or, or events. Uh, and they will ask us to send an official to the, uh, you know, for a AAA showcase for the weekend. And it gives that official kind of their first experience to hit the road. They stay at a hotel with another official. It's a bit of a road trip. They see some great hockey. Um, and they learn something. They meet officials from other parts of the country. And then that core group of officials, we also look at, uh, giving them some local playoff assignments or whether it's uh, our high school playoffs here in St. Louis, or it's our district playoffs uh, for USA Hockey, which may be here in St. Louis. It may be up in Chicago. It may be up in southern Wisconsin. It, it moves every year. And those those officials are also identified for potential national assignments at, at the USA Hockey level. And then one last thing we do for those officials, and I, I know I'm kind of rambling, but um, the thing that I enjoy the most is we ask those officials to give back to the association. We say, we want you to come to some of our board meetings and see the business of our association. We ask them to uh, come to some of our uh, events with younger officials and mentor the 13 or 14-year-olds that are, that are brand new to officiating. We have relationships with groups throughout St. Louis, like we have a, a special hockey group called the St. Louis Blues Special Hockey. We, uh, we ask these officials to go out and volunteer ref for those games, or they go volunteer their time to referee sled hockey games. We look for volunteer opportunities for them to be able to give back to this game that's given so much to, to all of us. And uh, if I could jump back, because there's one point that you mentioned that it really stuck out to me was that was, that was pretty interesting. And you mentioned new media. Now, I think when we talk about keeping referees around, generally we're, we're talking about, you know, younger, younger, the younger demographic, you know, kids in their, in their teenage years. And I'm wondering for you, has that been a, you know, the idea of using new media, has that been really, I guess, critical in you for, for sort of reaching and communicating with these officials? Absolutely. You know, I have a couple teenagers myself and they both have email accounts and I, I don't think they ever check their email. So, I mean, and all of our, our scheduling database is all email based. And so we've, we've had to look at creative ways to reach these kids through texting, which they all know how to text as we all do nowadays. <laughs> Um, that's just a little thing, but, but, you know, just, just taking a, uh, 30 second clip of a game and, you know, let's say we got a kid that's refereeing a game and he keeps getting stuck behind the net. He's too far below the goal line. And we show him that immediately in between periods. And we say, look, you keep going below the goal line and you get stuck behind the net and that's forcing you to go to behind the net, which we know we don't want to be at least at this level. Um, hey, next time, anticipate the play earlier and move back to the corner. Um, or we really like the kids to get used to doing a line change procedure every whistle. So, hey, you need to come out to the top of the circles on your line change procedure so both coaches can see you. And, 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 we, and we phrase stuff like, hey, you're doing this well, but it would be even better if you did X, Y, or Z. You know, you called a good tripping penalty there, but it'd be even better if next time when you blew the whistle, you stopped for two seconds with your arm in the air, you took a deep breath, 
and then you pointed to the player and signaled the tripping penalty. That way, everybody in the building can see what you're doing. It gives you more confidence, and it and it appears like you're more decisive and uh, and confident out there. Um, you know, we also have uh, an amazing video camera that 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 we're going to start using. We haven't used it yet. Um, we we have great relationships with some groups here in St. Louis that have been very generous in their funding. The the Blues for Kids Foundation, for example, with the St. Louis Blues, we apply for grant money from them every year. And we, and we were able to apply for a grant to purchase this robotic camera. And we haven't used it yet, but we're hoping to be able to use it to, um, it actually follows like a tag that you can put in a referee's pocket. And you can control it with your smartphone and it'll follow that tag as the official is skating up and down the ice. So, you know, hypothetically, if you're doing a three man system, you could follow a linesman for a period. Then you could toggle the camera to follow the referee for the second period and then come back and, and, and follow the other linesman for the third period and then immediately share that content with the officials. So that's something that's really exciting and um, something that's really going to help improve uh, all of our officials across all levels. And there's something else you mentioned too. I mean, first off, that's that's really cool that, you know, that's that's kind of the level we're at, I guess, with technology nowadays, that you could have that sort of catered, uh, you know, teaching tool for referees. I mean, certainly that's not something that would have existed back in, back in the day. And just jumping back to another point that you mentioned, you talked about positivity. I'm just, I'm just curious, like what kind of role does positivity have for, for your supervisors and, and mentors? Is that something that you guys have ingrained in your education program? Absolutely. 100%. You know, we, we don't just let anybody come out and be a supervisor or a mentor for these games. We actually talk with our, our veteran officials and, and it's not just the veterans. We have some guys that have officiated for five years, but they, they have a positive attitude. They want to give back to the game. Uh, they don't mind going out and, and, and being on the ice at seven in the morning on a Sunday for a, you know, a low level squirt game, uh, to help a young official. And so we say to our team and to our supervisors, we say, look, it's, it's, it's all about positive. It's all about congratulations and attaboys and, and, and fist bumps and, you know, pats on the back and, and point out what needs to be worked on. But at the same time, celebrate the things that these guys are doing right. I mean, it could be as little as, Hey, I really liked how you showed up to the rink 30 minutes before the game, you know, that's great. You're, you're devoted by being here and being committed to being on time. Um, and, or little things like, um, the, you know, the, the way that you carry yourself with your shoulders, uh, back and your chest out makes you look, you know, fantastic. The kid could have a horrible game as far as the, the, the calls he makes, like the judgment calls he makes, but, um, hey, you got to that blue line early before, you know, before every game. And we do look, we, we even challenge them during games. We'll say to the linesman, um, if we're doing a three-man system, for example, we'll say to the linesman, hey, when there's a whistle at the net, we want you guys to race to see who could get to the net first. And we're going to keep track of it. And that gets them hustling, you know, at the game so that their their feet are moving and they're thinking ahead. To, they're anticipating those those scrums that can happen around the net. And hopefully not at the squirt level, but you never know. So, um, definitely positive is huge for us, and we definitely stress that. Yeah. And if I could come back to one other thing you mentioned too, because yeah, I think you had a lot of really great points. And if I could tell the listeners again, this you know you guys have really done something well here, uh, increasing numbers. And I think a lot of associations are facing problems of retention as as we've discussed about. And you know, I'm wondering if you could offer maybe a little bit of advice to some associations that might be listening, because. Certainly in some of associations that I've seen where there is that old, old boys club and 
sometimes you might not see that leadership from the associations to kind of counteract that. Is there any sort of general advice that you've learned in approaching that sort of situation that other associations might be able to learn from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's a tough situation to be in because it, it, like any situation in business or in life, is confrontation can can make your stomach churn sometimes. But you know, we had some people over the years that 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 were that old school mentality that didn't want to change with the times. And our board of directors made a conscious decision about six years ago that we had to do something. Our numbers had declined so much. And so even on our board of directors, there were, there were members of our board of directors that were resistant to this whole thing. And the positive aspects and the positive nature and, um, it shined through. And we essentially said, look, we're starting this bus and the bus is going to head in this direction. You can either jump on board or, you know, with due respect, if you don't want to jump on board, then thank you for your service, but we're going to, we're going to keep going on this bus and in this positive direction. And, um, um, you know, there, there's a spot for everybody within us, within an association. Um, we have guys that work hundreds of games a year at the low level house games, um, that are, that are workhorses. Okay. That, that do tons of games for us. Well, that game's just as important as the big college game or the big high school set on a Friday night. So let's celebrate those guys too. Those guys are just as important as our big guys who are going and working junior games or college games. You know, the bright lights games with, with four or 500 people in the stands. Um, so it, you know, it's, there's really no great answer to it, but it's a leap of faith. The board has to recognize the problem, which we did identify ways to try to solve the problem and then start trying things and see what works. I mean, we've tried several things over the past few years and we've been like, Oh wow, that was a dud. That was a Led Zeppelin. Let's, let's forget about it. Let's try something else. Mm -hmm. Hey, this idea really worked well. Let's do that. No, uh, that's a great answer because, you know, certainly it's not a rampant problem perhaps in a lot of associations, but it's something that you do see. And it's something that really takes a lot of courage, I think, in leadership to be able to stand up for those referees that, you know, might, might not be getting those opportunities. So I definitely applaud you for that. And I wanted to switch uh, themes a little bit before we kind of get into to the summary here, but certainly anybody that goes to to your social media accounts notices they stick out. I mean, you guys have interactive videos that they're really sharp. You're sharing articles. The power of social media is, it can't be underestimated just in, in, in life and in, and in officiating. And what we really try to do on our social media channel is we really try to highlight the positives. Um, you know, we can go out and work 20 games in a month and you might have coaches yelling and screaming at you. But if you do that really great job, we want to celebrate that, that type of thing for, for the young people. Um, we have some devoted people here with our association that, that help out with some of our media. We have a guy who works currently, he's a full-time linesman in the ECHL and he happens to be a video producer. Um, He's willing to kind of put together some videos for us at times. The, the main video on our, on our Facebook page was during a, um, a seminar that, that the Blues, uh, were able to host for us last fall, um, where they hosted a seminar prior to one of their preseason games. And not only did the, uh, attendees become certified as USA hockey officials, but they also attended the preseason game. The Blues gave them all a ticket. And they got to meet the NHL officiating crew, like a meet and greet 
for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes prior to uh, the the NHL crew getting ready to to to, to um, you know in the dressing room for the game. So uh, he was able to come out and shoot some videos for that, and you know it really just puts a, a personal face to what we're doing. Um, you know, oftentimes parents or coaches or or even fellow officials will look at the official on the ice and they got a black and white striped shirt on. They got our black helmet. You can't see their face. You can't see them smiling or that they're a kid or they have feelings. Um, and, and so our social media is a great way to, to kind of show that and to also share articles that are, that are, that are relevant out there. We share a lot of articles from like the referee magazine or the national association of sports officials, and they don't necessarily have to be about hockey. They can be about baseball umpiring, or they can be about basketball refereeing, or they can be about who knows what soccer officiating, like with the World Cup going on right now. And we try to share those those pieces of information out there to give people tidbits of what it's like to be an official and how hard it is to make decisions, and um, uh, but how great it can be to 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 make new friends and to learn leadership skills and to uh, to to meet people from all over the the city all over the state all over the country so um yeah social media is huge for us and, and we're going to keep we're going to keep doing it i think that's that's a great point and for those associations that are, that are listening andy i mean what are some of the main points if we can reiterate that that you really would encourage them to to look at to really help retain referees and build that positive energy that you've that you've discussed great question i mean i i think the first thing is to identify if you actually your association actually has a problem or an issue. And an easy way to, to determine that, in my opinion, is on the busiest weekend or weekend up weekends of your season, are you able to staff all of your games with officials without much of a problem? If the answer to that is yes, then congratulations, you probably have enough officials. Um, but are those officials, how old are those officials? Are those officials getting ready to age out? Can they skate as many games as they used to be able to skate? Are you replenishing those people that are moving on, uh, hanging up the skates with, with new blood? Uh, and once you've identified the problem is, you, like I said earlier, you have to take a leap of faith. You have to devote some resources to, um, to the effort. And you have to find a, a group of people that are devoted, that are committed, that, that um, want to help, that are passionate about this. Um, you know, the people that we have involved in our um, in our development and education program, come from all different levels of hockey, but the main consistent theme for all of them is they love what they do, and they want to provide the fun of what this you know this uh, this hobby or this um, this pastime of officiating. They want to provide that opportunity to other officials and pass it on to people, mm-hmm. um, and then. You know, after after devoting the resources, it's all about staying on top of things, being organized, and trying new things. Uh, we do. We have an appreciation event every year where we just bring in our young officials, we let them play a pickup hockey game, and we feed them some food and we give them a certificate of appreciation. It costs some money to do, but the kids love it. The parents can come, brothers and sisters can come. We're just saying essentially thank you for uh, for f- officiating this year. You may have only officiated 10 games, but that's great. Maybe next year you'll officiate 12 or 15 games. Um, little things like that go a long way. No, I think this is really great advice, Andy. And certainly like the way you're talking about the sounds that you guys have put a ton of thought into this and 
you guys have really witnessed firsthand, you know, the problems that we're facing your association and really found really great ways to promote, you know, this pastime, as you said. And I think for those out there that are listening, I mean, even if they could take one or two ideas from what you're telling, I think it's, it'd be a great asset to any association out there. So Andy, I really want to thank you for firstly taking the time to chat with us. We really appreciate you, you know, sharing that advice and, before we let you go, I, you know, I, I'd love to get just if you, if there's a referee out there, like let's say it's a 15 year old young man or woman that's that's there. They finished their first season of refereeing and they're debating whether to come back or not. What would you, what advice would you say to them in, in closing? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me because this has been a great opportunity to share something that I'm really passionate about, and that's that's the game of hockey and uh, and the pastime of officiating. But as far as the uh, the 15 year old official out there, that's just finish their first season. What I would say is, is come on back, uh, keep up the good work, uh, keep smiling out there, learn from your mistakes because we make them every single game and just be honest, be humble and, uh, work with a smile on your face and hustle as much as you can. Uh, the greatest thing about hockey is, you know, the kids are out there for 45 seconds or one minute shifts and we in, in, in an hour game, we get a 60 minute shift and we get to be on the ice uh, for the entire game and, and, and witness this this great uh, this great sport. So thanks again, Brandon. It's been a it's been a pleasure.